we welcome you to the Truth Simply Put, our broadcast and teaching series at the Basilea Commission. You're about to receive God's unadulterated word, brought to you by Pastor Alexander Victor. Challenging, uplifting, and provoking you to new dimensions in your kingdom walk. And now, today's message. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. So, so we're on a series, right? The Christ Conscious Believer today is part 27. Wow. Part 27. So we are on part 27. The Christ Conscious Believer, we've been dealing with a series. We're on the 14th characteristic or 14th hallmark of the Christ Conscious Believer. And that is that the Christ Conscious Believer spends and is spent for the kingdom. The Christ conscious believer gives, gives, and gives again. We started this particular point last week. And um, when, I, when we closed, I got home, I, I wrote something, which was sort of a synopsis of, and that post has echoed across the world, literally. Literally. It's been shared over close to 150 times. I've gotten all kinds, it has generated conversations. All over the world, I've gotten messages from pastors, you know, just believers and all kinds of people from all over. Um, both for the truth as well as people who are fighting to protect their market. Uh, because you see, when it comes to God as, as deity, God as sovereign, um, Satan has never been pitched in scripture as his adversary. Is, is Christians that made words and opposite God and Satan. It's Christians. Satan is too small. How can somebody, a creature, a servant, be pitched as the opposite of his creator? How? I have gum all over my fingers. You know, you know why, right? <laughs> How? Satan, enemy of God, opposite of God. No, sir. He's too small. Wait, he's too insignificant to be pitched against God. Too insignificant. You make a mockery of the sovereignty of God. Literally, you insult the magnitude of God by thinking God here and Satan here. No, you, you really need deliverance. Satan is inconsequential. It's the church that magnified him. Church now prays to Satan. Satan, hear me. I come against you. Where? Fall down, die. Fall down, die. Satan, who sent you? Where have you seen from Genesis to Revelation where a believer was praying to Satan? It doesn't matter in whose name. Praying to Satan. In Jesus' name. That Satan will do what for you in Jesus' name? Leave you alone. Don't oppress you again in Jesus' name. Satan, now we are going to pray. We are going to fire the devil. Bazooka night. Very silly. Christians spending all night 
to keep the devil from attacking or to stop him from the attack he's already attacking. That's the, you are the one he should attack. Because we know who we are. We are sat far above principalities and powers. There's, Satan falls in that classification. The way you, no, no, there's no difference. I said all that to say this. The one time a dichotomy is drawn between God and something or someone else was money in the scriptures. Jesus is teaching and he's talking about you cannot serve two masters. He would have expected, he would say, you cannot serve God and Satan. You cannot serve light and darkness. He says you cannot serve God and money. That means the only other entity powerful enough to derail you from total submission to God is money, not Satan. Did you get what I just said? Money. Money is more powerful than Satan. That's why Satan weaponizes money. <laughs> Let me repeat. Money is more powerful than Satan. Mammon. That's why Satan weaponizes money. That's why one of the temptations he went to Jesus with in Luke was bow down and worship me and all these things I'll give to you. Hoping that Jesus did not know that all things were his. And not all things were his by sonship, but all things were his as the creator of all things, without whom nothing is that could have been. Satan was hoping Jesus momentarily forgot that he is the originator of all things because he had been hungry for 40 days. There's something about 40 days of hunger that gives you temporal amnesia. And Satan was hoping that Jesus in 40 days may have forgotten that he created the world. He says, worship me, I will give you all this. So Satan weaponizes money. So Jesus says you cannot serve God and money. You are either serving God or you are chasing money. You are either chasing money or you are serving God. So there is messages we will preach against Satan and we are okay. There is messages we preach about money and it's the men of God that Satan now uses to protect his market. A pastor was telling us few days ago on Friday, we went to share fellowship and ministry with someone. And he was telling us how the, their pastors sat down. Pastors sat down. And they had finished their pastor's meeting. The eldest son of one of the pastors in our city, this city, who's in that area, who's influential, drove into the church premises and came into them and said, his father sent him to tell them that they are preaching against false prophets and people who are doing assignment and all of that. That it's okay that they should be preaching the truth. But can they just not preach about them and preach their own and let them find what to eat? Because there's how you are preaching this truth and it's affecting people and it's affecting the market. So just preach your own. Preach Jesus. You know, preach cross. Leave opening the people's eyes. Let's just preach your own. What could they find waiting for it? Paul talks about the people whose belly is their God. So when we start to talk about money, the average Christian in church is already in suspicion mode 
Once money comes up, it's difficult for you to even listen. You're squinting your eye. They have come again. <laughs> they have come again. Money people come again. <laughs> Better not let them get control. <laughs> so we start to get suspicious. Because of how much we have idolized money. So I posted that on Tuesday and man, my God, the conversations, I'm, when I mean the whole world, I'm serious, right? From the US to Canada to Guatemala, all over, all kinds of responses. Because I came out and I said, God does not need your money. God does not use your money. It's the church that needs your money. It's the church that uses your money. God does not need anything you have to give you his best that he already did. doesn't. He gave you freely. In fact, when he gave you, he gave you everything he was capable of when you didn't even know what it was he was giving you. How could you pay for that? How dare you reduce the grace of God to money? Sow a seed. I finished teaching the word of God to you. And at the end of it, it's not the spirit of God that will activate the word. It's the seed you sow. Whenever I preach the word, I take an offering. It's important that you must sow to connect with this word. Put your faith on the line. Which line? Connect with this word. Activate it in your life. With money. Money. The book of Acts chapter 8. We'll get there if time allows us. Book of Acts chapter 8. They went in and they preached after Philip had left. I think in Philippi. They got to the place and they preached the gospel. And so many souls were saved. Peter and Co. And Simon, who was a notorious influential sorcerer was also, according to the scriptures, that he also believed. The, the CV of Simon was that the whole city was bamboozled by his sorcery. He was an influential sorcerer. He heard the gospel. He believed. And then, the guy started manifesting spirituals. Praying that people were getting filled with the Holy Ghost. This guy now came. and said, I want that power too. To get people filled with the Holy Ghost, whatever that is, how much can I pay you for it? And Peter screamed, verse 18, verse 19. Go back to 19. Acts 8, 18. Saying, go back to 17. Go 17. Since you took us there. They laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Verse 18. And when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money. Saying, give me this power also that anyone on whom I lay hands may receive, not the devil, may receive the Holy Spirit. Right to quest, wrong approach. On whom, anyone on whom I lay hands may receive the Holy Spirit. See verse 20. Peter said to him, your money perish with you. Because you thought, listen to this carefully. Look, if you don't have a Bible, look in the screen. Acts 8.20. Because you thought, everybody read, that the gift of God 
could be purchased. Please, how much more clearer can it be? So why are you bringing seed to connect with what anointing when the gift of God cannot be purchased with money? 20. TPT, the Passion Translation. Peter rebuked him and said, your money will go with you to destruction. How could you even think that you could purchase God's supernatural gift with money? The message. Peter said, to hell with your money. And you, along with it. Uh, King James says, your money perish with you. Uh-huh. To hell with your money, and you too, follow it to hell. Why? That's unthinkable. Trying to buy God's gift. Do you have the Amplified? Peter said to him, may your money be destroyed along with you. Because you thought you could buy the free gift of God with money. The wages of sin is death, Romans 6.23, but the free gift of God is eternal life. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now, if Peter and the apostles were rebuking somebody who wanted the Holy Spirit, not familiar spirit, he wanted the genuine thing. And I'm sure he just went, you know what, I I so much love this imparting Holy Spirit business. Let me pay you to transfer the power to me. And then now you come and say, I have a handkerchief I brought from Israel. Mustard seed from Israel. Prayer cloth from the Wailing Wall. Water from River Jordan. My sweat, shake my hand. I've seen it. Uh, man of God, hell no. Here's a ring. Come and touch it. One in our city as well brings sugar cubes to church. The Lord has told me you sow a seed, your life will be sweetened in this city. Sow the seed, open your mouth, I will drop a cube of sugar. You have been sweetened with divine diabetes. Your life will be sweet. I bring this handkerchief, I will cut it. If we bring one, one million, ten of you, I will cut it into ten. Take your peace. Life will be at peace. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you too, as intelligent as you are, it's unthinkable that you could buy the gift of God with money. Jesus was sending them out. He said, freely you have received. Freely give. So one of the greatest undoings of the church, if not the greatest, it's, it's, it's desire to monetize the move of the spirit. Mm-mm. So some of us are dogged in it. We will not let money taint this work. Mm-hmm. No. No. How dare you think you can purchase the gift of God with money? God, I repeat, doesn't need anything from you to give you everything he already gave you. 
that God is no different from the Ponzi scheme. Because they don't reward you anything. They collect everybody's money from here and then hope that tomorrow only 10 people need it. So they give those 10 people double in the hope that 100 other stupid people will pay more in. That's what giving and receiving of help is. It's easy. Let me prove it to you. Give 5,000. After 30 days, you get 10,000. 100 of us drop 5,000. That's how much? 500 Gs. Yeah? In 30 days, these 100 people need 1 million. Does that make sense? In one day, we have harvested how much? 500 Gs. We now push you tomorrow and the day after to get more people to register with 5 Gs each. So if we harvested 500 Gs today, Tuesday, 500 Gs tomorrow, 200 Gs on Thursday, 300 Gs on Friday, by the time it's time to pay this first set, we have at least the 1 million to pay them. Does that make sense? The pro- That's why these things never last. The problem is the following day, is the 30 days due for the person that is going to register tomorrow, Wednesday. So in a short while, when they start off, the space of time between when you pay the money and when they pay you out is wide. But the more people register every day, before you know what's happening, almost every day now is a payout day. And then they're not, the registration paying starts to slow down because everybody has heard about this. And most people have registered and given you their money already. And you've used to pay out to many people. So now you're not having more payouts due than pay in. It crashes. I just explained it to you. Truth simply put. They didn't steal your money. They're not thieves in that sense. They didn't steal it. They just made you a promise they couldn't sustain. So if your God needs you to pay in, before he can pay out. Everybody that has been castigated for crashing a Ponzi scheme is a saint compared to your God. If EFCC is arresting anybody, they should look for your God and lock him up. Because your God is worse than Hushbub compared to your God that needs you to pay in before he can cash out. In 24 hours. In 7 days. This time next year. In 30 days. If I be a man of God. You have just been scammed. And you knew it not. So first of all we must understand. That God does not need what you have. To give you what he had. Let's understand it. It's important. And then we can talk. So when we're talking giving at any point, I told you last week towards the end that the only motivation for giving is love. Nothing else. Love. For where the treasure of a man is, there also will his heart be. Make sense? I was having a meeting, a training meeting with our pastors and I was telling them about the character, the posture of a leader in this house. I said, number one, I think number one was loyalty or something. I said, number two, giving. Number three, giving. Number four, giving. He looked at me funny. He said, because you cannot say your, your, your heart is in a place and you're not giving to it. 
You are lying. Because the only thing that love is good at is giving. Love gives. Love doesn't struggle to give. Oh no, he doesn't have when we marry, when he 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 will uh, oh mumu you because if all he has is hundred naira at time, he will share it. He will give you fifty and tell you, Don't call me, flash me, I will call you. Oh, did you hear what she said? She said, that's the man I married. <laughs> okay, my brain has crumbled. What was I saying? <laughs> nah, nah, I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking. I'm joking. Because all love knows how to do is give. The giving in love is not fueled by ability. It's fueled by passion. That's why you're in church. If you're in a church where the men are more than women, change church. Any church where the men are more than women is an unhealthy church. Go and check. Go and check. Even Jesus, who was looking after him in Luke 8, women, not men. You see them, they are shocked. You want to see it? Luke chapter 8, verse 1. If you have a Bible, open it. Don't think that we are giving you a different one on the screen. You know, before <laughs> you think we are typing our Bible in Microsoft Word <laughs> and putting it on the screen, it's not in your Bible. You know, it's, no, it's possible. But just type one scripture in Microsoft. Just paste it. <laughs> you will not know you have been scammed. <laughs> open your Bible. <laughs> ha! See, eh? Thank God for saving me, oh. Hey, Auntie Helen, me, scam. Hey, you will not know. Me, Jesus, Abasi, Yami, me. You'll be in heaven on the last day before you realize. I'm telling you. Thank you for saving me. Thank you, my Lord. Me. Ah. Luke 8, verse 1. Now we came to pass. Afterward, New King James, eh? Afterward, that he went through every city and village, right? Preaching every city and village. Preaching and bringing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. He went through. He was traveling. And the twelve were with him. Mm-hmm. Go on. To verse 2. And certain, 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 certain who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene, out of whom had come seven demons, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's chief of staff, and Susanna, and, 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 who provided with him, for him, from their substance. TPT verse 1. Soon afterward, Jesus began a ministry tour. Go back. A, a what? You know tour. When you're touring, Alfred. He began a ministry tour 
throughout the country, not in, this, in the same city, visiting cities and villages to announce the wonderful news of God's kingdom realm. His 12 disciples traveled with him and also traveling with Jesus on Paul, a number of women who had been healed of many illnesses under his ministry and set free from demonic power. Jesus had cast out seven demons from one woman. Her name was Mary Magdalene, for she was from the village of Magdala. Among the women were Susanna and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, who managed King Herod's household. Many other women who supported Jesus' ministry from their own personal finances. Also what? So imagine Jesus traveling from city to city with women. I used to be disturbed. My wife is here. I used to be disturbed. But why, why are there so many ladies around me until the Lord showed me Luke chapter 8? I relaxed. Because at least me, I've not even started traveling with many women. So I, 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 this, they not only ministered to him of their finances, they were also traveling on tour with him. You say what? What did you say? Jesus. Your beloved Jesus. So if you are in a church where men are more than women, one, the church is broke. <laughs> Two, the church is depressed. Three, the church is dysfunctional. You know why? Because a woman can lift this speaker with passion that a man with muscle cannot lift. You see, a skinny woman just come. They lift not with body mass. They lift with passion. And they pull things. A man is looking at it. Ah! He's heavy. Sean, come call. Call Chukudi. Call the bring crane. Bring forklift. And a lady has lifted it. Because of how they are wired. They think with their heart. They engage with their heart. So they were the ones that were sponsoring. So if you ask Jesus the question, Jesus, who is bankrolling you? <laughs> Jesus will simply have told you, woman, are bankrolling me. What brought me here? Uh -uh, that's not what brought me here. What brought me here was that given is not fueled by effort, but by passion. Do you understand this? Let's look into this a little bit. Ah, last week we dealt with the fact that all the Old Testament obligations of giving were types and shadows and collapsed into Christ. Right? Okay, and I also said Christ did not die to save you from giving. Hmm? But he saved you from giving wrongly. He saves, set your giving approach straight. Is that correct? Let's look at a few scriptures. Second Corinthians chapter 11. The Christ conscious believer spends and is spent for the kingdom. The Christ conscious believer gives, gives, and gives again. Second Corinthians 11. I love to be in church, man. Yeah. All that you will bear with me in a little fully, 
And indeed, you do bear with me. We read this last week, right? For I am jealous with you with godly jealousy, for I have betrothed you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity. Mark that word, simplicity, okay? That is Christ. I want to pick that word. The word simplicity is the Greek word haplotes. And it means to be simple, but funny enough, it also means generosity. Haplotes. It means liberality. It means outgoingness or forthrightness. Haplotes. H-A-P-L-O-T-E-S. That's the word used for simplicity. So simplicity there doesn't just connote simple as in uncomplicated. Does that make sense? As in straightforward, you know, as in basic. It, it means beyond that. The word haplotes translated simplicity means generosity or liberality. So when you see that scripture, again, verse 3, but I fear less somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the generosity that is Christ. Does that make sense? From the liberality that is Christ. Not just from the basic uncomplicatedness that is Christ. He is that. In fact, that is why the gospel is called foolishness. Because of how basic it is. You mean that is it? That is it. You mean there's nothing else I need to do? Nothing else. You got born again. The sun doesn't increase in shining. The moment you got born again, oh, your head bears singing. <laughs> Anybody happened like that? You got born again. Eh? <laughs> Just saw rainbow in the sky. <laughs> no. Most times you are even doubting if anything happened. Because it's so normal. The breeze doesn't blow differently. Nothing changes. The problems you left at home are waiting for you. If you shout it loud, amen, when you let me get home. How I many of you have fallen for, fallen for that scam before? If you shout it loud, amen, the problem you left at home, you will not see it again. Landlord is waiting for your side. <laughs> Christ is generosity. Christ. Generosity is an attribute of Christ. Are you following me, Waterbiding House? liberality is an attribute of Christ. Christ is generous by nature. Christ is liberal by nature. That's the word haplotes. You got that? It also means purity. Let me show you a couple of scriptures where that word haplotes appears. That is translated simplicity in 2 Corinthians 11. Romans chapter 12. I need verse 8. Romans chapter 12. I need verse 8. And let us see, so you get the context, right? Let's go from 6. 6. I need verse 8, but let's go from 6. Romans 12, 6. Romans 12, 6. Are you there? Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, in other words, if that grace that is given to you is prophecy, yeah, that gift. Prophesy in proportion to our faith. 
Or if your gift is ministry, let us use it in our ministry. If your gift is teaching, you see it's a gift. He who teaches in teaching. Eight, he who exhorts in exhortation. Look at the next line. He who gives. How should he give? With liberality. That word is the same word, haplotis. Translated simplicity in 2 Corinthians 11. You get it now? If you must give, it has to be liberal or don't give it. You don't give checking what is left after you have given. That's not liberality. That's not liberality. You don't give to the measure that it doesn't dent your balance too much. You know, you have 10,000. If I give five, that means half don't go. Half. Let me not cross that half. This, if I give you three, keep seven. Keep give you four, keep six. Hey, get how it makes sense. Because what I have left is greater than what I give you. That's not a liberal person. God took Jesus, all of him, and slammed him on for the sins of a world that he had no guarantee will accept him. No contingency plan, no backup, no savings account. There's nothing else that God could have done if Jesus had failed in the Garden of Gethsemane. When Jesus was praying and his tears were thick as drops of blood and he said, if I have my will, let this cup pass by me. If, he, if Jesus did not get to the point of nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. If Jesus had abdicated his responsibility and he had the choice to do it. That's why he decided to let God's will be done because he had his will and his will was this is not nice so now, if Jesus at that point in prayer had not been able to pray through and had failed that would have been the end because it's not like God decided to send John the Baptist to test whether okay let him die let us see how many people will repent okay one million people repented ah okay that's promising yeah okay who else did they like really really nice ah Father Abraham Father of the Jews. Go and die, let's see. Abraham dies. Six million Jews repent. Like, ah! Okay, Jesus, I'm ready for you. Because if you die now, six billion will come. He had one begotten son. And at first instance, not thinking twice, he slayed him. While I was yet a sinner, giving does not get more liberal than that. You don't give and look at what you have left. Keep giving. Because if you are going to give according to scripture, New Testament, Romans 12, how should you give with haplotis? With what? Liberality. That's what I wanted from that scripture. That's the word simplicity that is in Christ. So generosity or liberality that is in Christ. Second Corinthians 11.3. You see it here. If you're giving, you must give like Christ. How does he give? Liberally. Let's look at a few more examples. 2 Corinthians 1. 2 Corinthians 1.12 For our boasting is this, the testimony of our conscience that we conducted ourselves in the world in haplotis and in godly sincerity. You got that? Not with fleshy wisdom, but with, by the grace of God. So simplicity there also doubles as in liberality. You get it? 
One more example, 2 Corinthians 8 and 13. 2 Corinthians 8 and 13. Oh, hallelujah. 2 Corinthians 8 and 13, are we there? For I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened, but by an equality that now at this time your abundance may supply their lack. That their abundance also may supply your lack. I, I, I need verse 13. Go back. 2 Corinthians 8 and 13. 13. For I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdens, but by an equality. That's the word also translated haplotes. Right? Now, now at this time, your abundance may supply their lack. And that their abundance may also supply your lack. That there may be equality. Paul was writing to the Corinthian church. So it's not like you give and keep what is left for what you need. If you're doing that in church, it's not healthy. A healthy church is such that if Caleb has a need, I give everything for Caleb's need. Because I know that when it's my need, everybody will give for my need. Until then, we are not a church. We are not ecclesia. We are just kuriakos. We are just gathering, singing, praising, and worshipping. We are not a body. Because as you see that scripture, you, my abundance supplies your lack. And then your abundance supplies my... Because you will not always be in lack. You will not always be in lack. You should not always be in lack. Because nobody in church is designed to be a charity case. Nobody. First Thessalonians 4.11 Work with your own hands. Paul says, as I've said before, whoever does not work should not eat. So don't come into church with the mentality of the church will look after me. That you are who? If I have rent, rent they will pay my rent. If I'm hungry, they will feed me. Is that not what Jesus says you do? My friend, get a life. You're supposed to be needing, having a need today. We meet it because we have a need. You meet it. Meet it. And my days in my lifetime. You know how Paul said, I'm presenting you as a chaste virgin to Christ. I'm in my life. I will raise that church for the Lord. I will raise it. Doesn't matter how long it takes. If people could con other people to do stuff, if Jim Jones could convince hundreds of people to leave America and move to Guyana, go to Jamestown and convince a thousand, nearly 2,000 of them to drink Kool-Aid and die and go to heaven because the American government was closing in on them. Then we can raise a pure breed without greed for the Lord. Raise a pure breed without greed. Because if we did that, nobody will have any issue. Everybody's rent here is not due on the same day. Everybody's rent here is not due on the same week. So if we pulled together and paid yours this week and next week we do the same thing and pay yours and then you are not going to rest because your rent has been paid. But as you get paid from whatever you're earning, you're de delivering it so that everybody's need gets met. That's church. That's the New Testament church. Until then, money is still the God. See, when it comes to money, ah, very, very touchy. Don't touch it. Leave it. So in the true gospel, God is generous just because. Haplotis, right? Liberal. He's, I mean, he's, he's El Shaddai. He's generous just 
because my, I have a problem. If your God gives to you only because, so for instance, he keeps you, he sustains you because you pay your tithe. So he doesn't open the cage or devore us. You know, Jehovah's, it's like God has this woof woof, you know, these werewolves, you know, hybrid, part man, part spirit, part God, you know, mutants. God just keeps them. Every month, your pastor will bring the records and say, faithful titers, church membership, 300. Faithful titers, 80. Semi-faithful titers, 40. Unfaithful titers, 100. Non-titers, 40. He opened the cage. Go for the non-titers first. <laughs> Devour them. You're still not fed. Go for the unfaithful titers. Because he opens the windows and sends devourers after anybody that doesn't pay tithe. And then if you don't pay tithe, your life will be tight. God doesn't bless anybody who does not tithe. Then how come he causes the sun to shine on the just and the unjust? Then if it's a matter of tithe, then there should be Goshen and Egypt. Such that every tithe, non-tither that goes out, no matter the sun that is shining, a non-tither will not see it. Sun will shine on the farm of a tither. The same sun will ignore the farm of a non-tither next to the farm of the tither. Rain is falling. You see rain falling here for the tither. Not falling here for the non-tither. Do you understand what I'm saying? Does God do that? If rain falls in your village, it falls in your village. Now, because God is generous. Even Jesus did not die for a good guy. Scarcely for a righteous man would anyone die. For a good man, perhaps, Romans 5, 6, and 7, for, for a good man, perhaps man may try to die. But verse 8, but God commended his love towards us in this manner that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. Who did he die for? Ungodly. Because he is What? He is what? He is what? He is what? Now, if he is generous, if Jesus is generous, 2 Corinthians 11, and you are created in his image, what does that make you? So if you are not generous, what is the problem? You cannot be in his image and be stingy. Stinginess is a manifestation of the Antichrist. Antichrist, anti-Christ, instead of Christ, against Christ. Anti in Latin. You cannot be pro-Christ and be stingy. Because by nature, he's generous, he's liberal, and we have his nature. So we don't give because we are pastors. We give because we are Christ in the earth. Does that make sense? God is generous just because. And if he gives just because then our giving must be for the same reason. Which is, just because. In giving, I said this last week, motive is very important. It's not, it's not what you give. It is what undergirds your giving. Does that make sense? Your motive is as important 
as what you give. First Corinthians 13. Your motive is important. First Corinthians 13. We give just because. First Corinthians 13. I need verse 3, but I will read from verse 1. Though I speak with tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging symbol. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could move mountains but have not love. You see, it's questioning motive, right? Have not love, I am nothing. See verse 3. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor and even give my body to be burned, but have not love, he profits nothing. So giving is one thing. Giving a little is another thing. Giving all is an, yet another thing. Giving all for the right reasons is yet another thing. Because you can give yourself to be burned and you had not love. And we have learned that so much by our brand of launching. Chief launcher. Father of the day. Mother of the day. Cousin of the day. Nephew of the day. Patron. Grand Patron, matron, grand matron, chief launcher, deputy chief launcher, assistant deputy chief launcher, co-launchers, deputy co-launcher. So you're now there, you are sweating because you are under pressure to give something to save your face. Because it always starts with, on behalf of my wife and my children or my family or on behalf of our branch church. Or on behalf of our department. There's always an on behalf at stake. So there's not how you give a long speech. That's why those days when they come and give a long speech, you're like, you better drop 100,000. Because some people will come and talk long and drop 10k. God, God will punish you. <laughs> Have you encountered those ones? They will talk long. You're like, ah, ah, once this one gives this offering. All the duplication of the CD, all the studio session, everything is paid. So you start calculating. Ah, this speech is worth 200 Gs. Am I the only one that has done it? Like this speech, the value of this speech is at least 200. On behalf of my wife, and those people that drop those ones after long speech, are the ones that always take four CDs. They'll say, I'm, I'm launching four CDs for 10,000. Ah, uncle, for you. You took for yourself, for your car, for your office, for your mother's village. Why do we do that? Because we have understood that nobody will give just because. So you set them up with a title. So the moment your chief launcher accepts your invitation, you know that. Amen. Amen. So you are looking at the caliber of chief launcher. Do you understand? You not just take anybody. You target somebody particular. And that person can come and out of the pressure of on behalf of can give something with the wrong motive that profits them nothing. And you can be in church and there's a project going on like now. And you give so that it can be recorded that you gave X amount and have not love. 
and give yourself to be burned. And there's people like that in church who are bitter because they felt like their efforts have not been noticed. Excuse me, you don't serve in church to be noticed. Repent of that mindset. You don't do anything in the gathering of God's people to receive a thank you. Wrong motive. I swept morning till night. Nobody even said, here's a cup of water. So? No, they have a problem. Yes. They don't understand the honor code. Yes. But you, what's your problem? So you become a problem because of a problem. Imagine me going back home. How many of you here? Let me, let me, let me, let me, let me try this. Be honest here. Yeah, it's okay. What about the house members? Those of you who are visiting, I understand. How many of you here? In the past six months. What about the house people? Those of you watching online. Six months. Okay, let's use six weeks since we came back into physical meetings again. Six weeks. I've gotten home on a Tuesday after Word and Life and sent me a text to say, Pav, thank you so much for that word. I was so blessed. Lift your hand. Six weeks. One, two, three, four, five, six. Can you see it? I don't vex. I'm not teaching again. What kind of ungrateful people is that? I'm not saying you should not bombard me with text tonight. Because if you do that, your motive is wrong. Except if you have repented. Because if you understand the honor code, you should feed the fountain that feeds you. You should. You have become familiar with the gift of God. So you don't celebrate it anymore. That's why I hate birthdays. They are hypocritical. So most times, if you notice on the church WhatsApp group, I don't say anything. Have you noticed? I just, I don't say anything. Even mine, it spooks me out if you need one day in a year to honor me. You don't love me. Your love is suspicious. Your motive is questionable. If you can only remember to get a gift for your pastor on his birthday. That's the only time he crosses your mind. You can buy a bunch of bananas and say, sir, I thought of you. 100 naira airtime. I thought of you. Wait till birthday. You're a hypocrite. You're a canal. So me too. I vex. I'm not preaching again. My church doesn't appreciate me. After all, there's no other churches that are doing pastors' appreciation Sunday. Are they more pastors than me? That's what Paul was asking the Corinthian church. Are they, what are they teaching you? Pastors' appreciation Sunday. You pack a car. We will chase you. You know those ones? Committee. They will chase you down. They'll forever be chasing after you. So I get upset because you didn't text me to say, Pav, I appreciate you. I'm not doing it for that. I'm doing it for he that I will answer to at the end of the day. Does that make it nice, nice that you don't think about honoring the place on which you are fed? No. Do I get into error because you're in error? No. Does that make sense? See, your yes sir now has gone quiet. Hello, yes sir. They're very contrite now. Oh, it's true. I've never texted Pavu. Oh, Mumumi. How much does it cost you to be liberal? Nothing. Two pages of SMS. People have so many nice things to say about you, but you will have to die to hear it. 
You have to die first to hear it. No. If you are looking nice, Pav will be the first person to tell you. Anybody around, look at, oh, look at him, he's flat. Is he your flat? Is your flat and flatting? Oh, look at him. What kind of pastor is that? The kind of pastor that is liberal in his giving. You look hot. Ah, sister, you look smoking. That hair is nice. It's fresh. You just did it right. Ella almost passed out. When I noticed, I said, this hair is fresh. She said, it's one week old. I said, yeah, I know these things. That's why God chose, he particularly chose the kind of wife that he gave me to give me. The one that is comfortable in her skin. It's liberality. You look nice. At the other day, wisdom wore a tie and suit. I went past four or five guys that called him pastor. Half a pastor, half a nobody said, dude, you look nice. And the guys were thinking that by saying, hey, pastor, they think that they have complimented him. You are stupid. Because you have not so learned Christ. Don't be stupid. I'm your example. So what are you watching? I went past five, six, seven people. Ah, pastor. Oh, boy, you. Nobody said, whiz. You look good. Because the dude looked good. What does he take out of you? To say, you look beautiful. I like your tie. Most times you think a this is a compliment. Oh, look at the way you are just shaking your bum bum. If she's walking well, tell her I love the way you walk. To the pure, all things are pure. To the impure, even pure things are defiled. Even their thoughts are defiled. Paul tells that to Titus. This is not going to ah, look at you. Ah, why, is, hey, why are you so smiling like this? Did you win the lottery? You have not complimented her. Which side of the bed did you wake up on? The Jesus side of the bed. That's the only side of the bed to wake up. Be liberal. You give just because your motive is right. And because your motive is right, effortlessly giving flows out of you. You can do everything, give to wash the church, do and have not love, profit nothing. And you get depressed because nobody said to you, ah, how are you? Well done. Love. The motive is important. And once your motive is right, it doesn't matter how people respond. It doesn't discolor what you do. Somebody has said something, you change how you sing. Somebody has said something, you change how you act. Somebody doesn't do something, you change how you respond. They didn't call your name, you change how we came online. We didn't say hello, eh, it's good to see eh, somebody online. I didn't read your comments, you vex. The church is better off without you. Because love is the motive for giving. Not showmanship. Are you following me? Not giving to be noticed. Not giving to be applauded. Oh, I, after all, I didn't come. Nobody missed me. Nobody checked up on me. You stay at home. Why didn't you call me to check why I didn't come? You are the kind of person that can skip a meeting because of your emotions. The meeting is better off without you. The atmosphere is purer without you. If you consciously skip the gathering of the saints to see whether or not we love you. Stay at home. Stay at home. There's no department in the New Testament church called follow-up. You met Jesus. You had an encounter with the God kind. He moved into you. Took residence in you. And we need to follow you up. 
We need to follow you up so you can stay with close to Jesus. You see, my sister, you need to move closer to the Lord. Have you heard that before? How much more closer can I be to him that lives inside me? Closer? Drominiera. To where? Help me know you are near. Near where? We sing all these emotional, sensual songs that have no scriptural bearing. Stupid songs. While on others thou art calling, do not pass me by. Are you Bartimaeus? Are you Bartimaeus? Pass me not, O gentle Savior. From where is he coming? From where is he going that he will pass you? Where? We should not pass you by. Nearer to thee, nearer to thee, Lord, draw me. Like, so God is just there with a rope every day. You are running, you are running, you are running. Draw, draw, draw. Do you understand? Because you are so obstinate. He goat, he go, draw me nearer to thee. My son, because why is he your song every day? If he drawed you nearer, why didn't you stay there? You hear my English? If he drawed you yesterday, why can you not sing my song yesterday, Father? Why is it your song every day? Where did you go? He just drawed you. So God lives his whole eternal life. Just be drawing you, drawing, drawing you. God the drawer. How much more nearer can you be? To he who is in you. In him. We live in him. We move in him. We have our being. And then he now is in you. Do you not know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Ghost? In whom he also dwells. Ah! We have sung nonsense for a long time. Help me find my way. To where? I am the way. I, I, why are you finding way? He is the way. And guess what? You traveled that way once to the cross. Once. You walked in the door. He is the door. Your emotions are not revelation. Your emotions are not revelation. You must get your motives right. You must get your motives right. So we can do all that and you're like, hey, they didn't call me. They didn't check up on me. They didn't do that. And, and you drop off. No, we're better off without you. Because love knows how to do one thing and one thing only. Give and give without even being told thank you. Lord, are you saying? Ministries International Incorporated. <laughs> are you saying that we should not say thank you? If you heard that, stupid. If that's what you heard. I didn't say that. It's the same house that teaches you honor. But you don't relegate your service delivery to honor received. You don't relegate your service delivery to honor received. You do it regardless. The way I'm still teaching you regardless. The way I'm teaching you regardless. I'm not teaching you because you excite me. Or because you appreciate me. To, to be honest with you, a lot of you don't. So we're not doing what we're doing because, hey, my church is gingering me. Now nah, you ain't got no ginger, man. 
<laughs> you ain't got no ginger. So we don't do it for notice me. Paul said, sir, necessity is laid upon me. Necessity is laid upon me to preach the gospel. Love is the motive. The healthiest place to be is in the place of love. Give from love. Don't pretend about it. Love is not convenient. Love is here when it's dirty. It's here when it's rough. If you are with someone, you are with someone. You are known to be with the person. You will stake your all on the person. You stake your all. If you're what you are, you're what you are. In season and out of season. Some of you are afraid and ashamed to be tainted with what surrounds who you're following. Your motive is wrong. But you have no qualms sticking with who you're sticking with, no matter what. No matter what. You tough it out with them. Because you love them. It's not when it's convenient you want to be seen around them. It's not convenient. No market for you, you disappear. No. That's not liberality. Are you here tonight? What if it's important? Look at Matthew 5. Matthew 5, right? We need 43 to 48. You have heard, this is Jesus telling them, right? You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. We're talking motive. Eh? Just a bit, I said, Jesus came to uphold the law. Go to the next verse. But I say, but signifies a departure from what has just been said. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Mm -hmm. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Hold up a second. Why are you praying for your enemies to fall down? And what? In the name of the person that says, bless those who curse you. But I say to you, love your enemies. Yea. Bless those who curse you. And not reply with mad dog. I've told you guys when I taught the great exchange nearly three years ago. Repeated it and he swapped it. The old nature is never far. It's never far. If you let it, it takes over. Love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. Pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Keep going to verse 45. That you may be seen to be sons of your father in heaven. How is your father generous? How do we see that he's generous? He makes his S-U-N, son, rise on the evil and on the good. Go on. And he sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Keep going. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. Stay in verse 47 and switch to the message. 46. If all you do is love the lovable, do you expect a bonus? Anybody can do that. Verse 47. If you simply say hello to those who greet you, do you expect a medal? I didn't greet him because he didn't greet me. Any run-of-the-mill sinner does that. In other words, what is special about you only greeting people that greet you? 
What stands you out as a son of God? You hold your place, you walk in a room, you go past somebody. What does it take to say good morning? You come into the room, you size everybody that is older than you. You greet them, good morning, man. Good morning, Sylvia. Good morning, Debbie. Then you look at the ones that are younger than you. And you're waiting for them to greet you first. So when they greet you, you now say, yes, Mabel, how are you? That's what the average black person does. Black, 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 black. Absence of light, black. Shouting there, black lives matter. Have you seen yourself? Absence of color. The average African is looking for somebody to be madame to. And somebody to be ogatu. The colonial masters left us. Colonialism did not. We are still looking for somebody to enslave. That's why being a house help is one of the most dangerous occupations in Nigeria. You get beat, you get burnt with iron, you get raped, you get impoverished, you get thrown out, you get peppered, you get all kinds, just because you are a maid. Because you are a driver. You have no sense of self-worth. But I'm entrusting my life and safety to you. But I can't respect you as a human being to give you the right frame of mind to drive me safely where I'm going. You insult your hairdresser, but trust her to make you look beautiful. And she's over your head telling you, no go better for you. I know what I'm telling you. I know what I'm telling you. She's over your hair and she's chanting nonsense. You're there. Put it like this, Joe. Put it like this, Joe. You go back and say, I don't know my sins that did this hair. The hair has been paining me. They were speaking nonsense over you. My head is paining me. Why, why will he not pay you? Anybody can do that. It takes manifestation of sonship to be cultures, to have etiquette, to have ethics. It's not what they teach you in finishing school. You don't have finishing school in here. It's not what they teach you in finishing school. It's what you learn as kingdom culture. How to relate to people. How to respond to people. Could you please get that for me? Chukudi, bring that cable. What's wrong with you? Because you are who? And again, you have not learned that from me. From the least to the greatest. You haven't learned that from me. Because that's not how we learned Christ. That's the example he gives us. That's the example he gives us. Of giving for the right reason. Just because. If you do it to get, the unbeliever does the same. Waiting you gain. Let's see that scripture again. 46 in the TPT. Matthew 5, 46. What reward do you deserve if you only love the lovable? Don't even the tax collectors do that? How are you any different from others if you limit your kindness only to your friends? Don't even the ungodly do that? No, I didn't know it was you because somebody answered a strange number. Hello, who is this? Oh, is it you? I didn't know it was you. This number. You are so stupid. Son of God. Son of God. What does it cost to say, hello, good afternoon? Yes, who am I speaking with? And then it's somebody that you know. Great. If it's not somebody that you know, you have left a good first impression because you don't have a second chance at a first impression. Somebody kept calling the office today. It was so much fun. I sat there with Havila, I think. Esther answered the phone and the guy said something, something, something. He hung up. He was going to call again. Esther was going to go first. I said, my friend, smile, answer him again the same. He answered again, this is the wrong number. But you know when some people are convinced that they're calling the right number or they're calling a different number and the network is telling them you must speak to the hub today. 
has that told to you before? You call a separate number, they root it somewhere else. And I said, get ready. You call again. Enjoy it. What is life about? Catch your phone. Call again the hub. Calabasta speaking. How may I help you? And the nurse people say, she call you. Hang up. You call again. Yeah, the hub. Calabasta. How may I help you? Because if the person calling back was a different person, you still answer the same way. Because listen, the phone can ring now. And as soon as you hang it up, it rings again and somebody else. And you answer the same way to this other person. And you hang it up and it rings again. And you answer the same way to somebody else. So what difference should it make if it's the same person calling five times? It's a phone call. Answer it like you would answer any phone call. That way you're showing yourselves as sons of God. Customer services cannot be more polite than you. Why? There's hardly anywhere I go to shop that I don't leave an impression. Hardly. People that walk, go out to me will tell you. Hardly. Make someone smile. Engage them. Chat with the policeman. Because he's looking at you. The other day we were driving and then the guy was smiling. As soon as he got towards us, he frowned. I said, I, was, I prepared the question. Why were you smiling? You're not so you not close this smile. Why? We're not fine. Sir, smile, please. Leave an impression. But everybody wants to be ogre. Madam, you're looking forward to when you somebody will greet you and say, how are you? You now feel like, hey, it's a good day. Because you two have found somebody that you can say, how are you too? So we transfer aggression. What's the big deal about saying, hey, how you doing? You all right? How was your day? Good morning, good morning. You, good morning, morning. Morning what? Good evening, evening. What? Evening. Evening. That what? The Christ conscious believer spends and is spent for the kingdom. Christ conscious believer gives, gives, and gives again. Okay, so see Matthew 6. Now this is very crucial. Matthew 6, 12. And forgive, are you there? Our debts as we forgive our debtors. I, 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 I want to stay there for a bit because you see it has discolored the nature of God. You see this text is a very problematic text because it shows either the wrong nature of God or a God that I cannot be comfortable with. It shows a God whose forgiveness of his children is contingent on their forgiveness of others. So it's either this is not what the original language says or this is a complete misrepresentation of the nature of God. Or we have a bipolar God who at one point in, in time says one thing and at another point as he suits him changes the standards another way. And this is why sometimes people who study the word intellectually only have a problem with reconciling the nature of God. And as a student of the word, you must do due diligence to the text to have an answer to give to those concerning the hope you profess. Now we'll come back here. Go to Ephesians 4. 31, I think. Let's all bitterness. Are you there? 
wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, 32, and be kind, look at this, to one another, tender-hearted, look at this, forgiven one another, even as God in Christ forgive you. Even as God in Christ forgive you. You're forgiving one another as a dispensing of the forgiveness you have received. Who told you forgiveness was unconditional? Go and listen to that teaching on Podbean. You'll understand what I'm saying. You are forgiven as an outflow of the forgiveness you have received. Go back to Matthew 6 and 12. And forgive us our debts. As we forgive our debtors. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. 14. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. It's a problem. So it's either, this is not what the text intended to say in the original language, or this is a deliberate misrepresentation of the nature of God, or we must accept that God is bipolar. We must accept that God does what he does contingent on what you do. Because at the point that I have the ability to forgive somebody who has wronged me, then I don't even need his forgiveness. I'm righteous enough. Colossians 3.13. Colossians 3.13. Bearing with one another and forgiving one another. Bearing with one another and forgiving one another if anyone has a complaint against another. Look at the next line. Even as Christ forgave you so you also must do. Go back to Matthew 6, 14. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And then you start to do forensic exegesis on the text. Start to see what the original language says. Does it say if? Or was the word there translated to if? When it did not mean if. Because there's how you put a, an adjective or something there that then changes how you must render what follows it. Because by the time you add if you forgive men, then you have to make a logical conclusion of it. Then... You have, you have added a den. Your father will forgive you. You have to make the rest of the text sound congruous to your initial error. But if you look at it in the light of the totality of scripture, then it begins to enable you to appreciate the original text. When he said, if, was it adding a condition for what God does? Or was it reminding you to do what you ought to do on account of what God has done? Because you see, for some of us, this is all there is to life. The word. Ministry. 
So it, we have to understand it. Otherwise, somebody will make a mess of you. So we sit down and we do due diligence to the text. I've left it as a okay, maybe puzzle. So you can go and dig into it. Is, is, is anybody interested in doing that? Because you see, stuff is there that you have never thought about until it slaps you in the face. And, and we must reconcile it in the light of God's word because scripture interprets scripture. Scripture doesn't contradict scripture. Scripture interprets scripture. So what does that text say? How does it say what it says? And what does it mean? Do you get the clue? What does it actually say? How does it say what it says? And what does it mean? We must reconcile it or else we have to deal with a God whose forgiveness is contingent on your ability to forgive. And that, that is a problem if you remember Exodus 34. I shared with you a few weeks ago in the old covenant when I said God worshipped himself, hid Moses in the cleft of a rock and says the Lord God abounding in mercy, forgiving iniquity, transgression and sin. Verse 7, keeping, Exodus 34, 7, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. Ah. If he introduced himself in the era of the law as a forgiver of sin, iniquity and transgression. And then Jesus comes and says, if you don't forgive, we won't forgive you. We have a problem. We have a problem and we must reconcile the problem in the light of God's word as is consistent with the nature of God revealed in Christ. Now we can go to Luke 6. Oh, somebody has been gobsmacked. Your theology has been seriously rattled right now. Lost prayer. Eh? I need to smash another scripture. Are you, are you ready? Luke 6. 38. One of the most famous verses in the Bible. We're talking about giving, right? Just because. For the right reasons. Liberally. With the motive being love. Some of you here have heard this scripture more than John 3.16. Give! And it will be given to you. Good measure. Press down, shaking together and running over shall be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. The Bible says, my brethren, it's time to give. The Bible says, give and it shall be given. I've explained to you before, we have a problem with this verse. If the God that you serve needs you to give him, then he can give you. That's Micheno. You understand? Get help. Give. I explained that to you an hour ago. That, that, give and it shall be given to you, God. King James actually says, Give, King James, KJV, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaking together, running over shall men give into your bosom. First of all, it's not God that is giving you men. Secondly, it's not money they are giving you. For if it's money, we have a problem because it says, For with the same measure, 
that ye meet withal. If the same measure it shall be given to you again. In other words, if I give God one mudu of Gary, it's one mudu God will use to give me back. Oh, come on, talk to me, guys. Tipity. Obviously, we must understand the scriptures. Though. Give generously, and generous gifts will be given back to you. Shaking down to make room for more. Abundant gifts will pour out upon you with such an overflowing measure that it will run over the top. Your measurement of generosity becomes the measurement of your return. The TPT guy, Eugene Peterson, got even very excited. I said, Abundant gifts. He too missed it. Because you can't be saying abundant gifts that you, you, you will be making room for more and then end by saying the measurement of your giving is the measurement of your return. Come on guys, open your eyes. Yeah, you have seen eyes. It's not a church of dummies. I'm not covering your eyes. We're opening them so you can see the word of God for what it is. We have a problem now. If he's talking about giving and giving to be prosperous and giving, and he's saying that you make room for more overflowing, checking together, running over, but it's the same measure. Excuse me. If this is what you gave and it's one liter, and we're saying give and it shall be given to you, shaking together, pressed together, running over, and all that stuff, and he's saying the same measure with which you give is the same measure that shall be given to you, you have just been scammed. Because there's no way the same measure you were used to, you used to give Giving back to you can afford to running over and making room for more. There's no sense in that. So again, it's either this is not what the text says or this is not what he means. Or we have deliberately been scammed by Luke quoting Jesus for his own benefit. Now, but because the word of God has integrity and inerrancy, <laughs> we quickly eliminate Option number three. Because the word of God is without error. It's inerrant. Are you following me? The word of God is without error. The word of God has integrity. The word of the Lord stands sure. So it's either this is not what he says, or we have, this not what we have made it mean is not what it means. Can we investigate a little bit? Now back up a little bit to verse 27. It's not too far behind. Go back to New King James. <laughs> Luke 6. We're killing 38 right now. Explaining it from the same text. Going from 27. Now, here, hear the context. But I say to you, who here? Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Hmm? Go on, see comma there. Go back, let them see the comma. You saw the comma at the end of verse 27. Do good to them who hate you. Bless those who curse you. And pray for those who spitefully use you. Keep going. To him who strikes you on the one cheek, offer the other also. And from him who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tonic either. Give to everyone who asks of you. And from him who takes away your goods, do not ask them back. 31. And just as you want men to do to you, stay here. Just as you want men to do to you, do to them likewise. If you want people to insult you, insult them. If you want people to favor you, favor people. If you want people to hurt you, go about hurting people. Men, it's not you and God. This conversation is between men, not men and God. 
just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. 32. But if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners, this is also Matthew 6, right? For even sinners love those who love them. Keep going. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that? To you, for even sinners, do the same. Keep going. And if you lend to those from whom you hope to receive back. In other words, don't lend what you're not willing to let go of. Lend only what you can dash. If you, if you could lend it, you can let it go. And the church say, if you lend only to those you want to receive back, what credit is that to you? For even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much back. Okay now. 35. But love your enemies. Do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return. And your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the unthankful and evil. He is kind to the unthankful that you are killing by fire. He's kind to the unthankful and evil. See 36. Therefore, be merciful. To who? Fellow man. Just as your father is also merciful. 37. Judge not. Who are you judging not? Fellow man. And you shall not be judged. Condemn not. And you shall not be condemned. Forgive. And you will be forgiven. Give. And it will be given. Now you have to picture Jesus sitting down on the mountain. Sharing this as a sermon. There's no way that all of a sudden in verse 38 it would have flipped to become money. Give. Treat people how you want them to treat you. Love them the way you want them to love you. Honor them the way you want them to honor you. Don't judge you because as you're judging people, that's how people will judge you. Don't condemn you as you're condemning. That's how people will condemn you. What if you give condemnation, it shall be given to you good measure. The same measure with which you measure out condemnation is the same measure that condemnation shall be measured to you. Same measure. If you measure out judgment, it's the same way they shall measure out judgment to you. Measure out kindness is the same measure of kindness you will receive. What you give is what you receive. He was talking about you and God. So one of the biggest scams of the last two centuries is to use this scripture to collect money from God's people. And most times, this is the scripture we go to. The Bible says, give shall be given to you. Have you read it to the end of the verse? Same verse with the same measure you give. That's a bad investment if you're giving to God and he's going to give you back in the same measure. You might as well keep it and use it to invest it yourself. So this theology, we arrest it tonight. Bring it in obedience to Christ. Has nothing to do with money. Has never had anything to do with money. Never. God does not give because you, you, you gave to him. And then he gives you same measure. Hey, look at, look at Romans 8.32. See the nature of God that you have on your inside. Look at Romans 8.32. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also 
also, 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 do what? Give us. That's my God. That's my God. And because I have his nature, I give freely. I don't give you a gift because I believe that you can give it back to me tomorrow. That's witchcraft. Even the sinners do that. I don't give you because you tomorrow you'll be YouTube to give me. No, that's not the nature of God. We have not so learned Christ. We have not so learned Christ. We do not give in order to get. We do not give in order to get. That's wrong and antichrist. You don't give to get. God gives liberally. Liberally. Can I give you one more scripture before we close? James, James 1. James 1, I think I need verse 5. I give like my God gives. I give freely. I give generously. I give liberally. I don't care what it takes from me. I don't care what inconvenience it brings me into. I give because I love. I give because. I give in simplicity. I give in liberality. I give the Christ kind of giving. I give the God kind of giving. I don't give out of compulsion. I don't give out of manipulation. I don't give because I expect it to come back to me in 30-fold or 60-fold or 100-fold. I give because I am love in the earth. I'm the image and likeness of my father. As he is, so am I in this world. That's why I give. Look at, look, at, look at James describing the nature of God again when he was saying, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask. He says in verse 5, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. Look at how God gives. Who gives to all? Haplotis, liberally and without reproach. Flip it. You see how the message puts it. He gives how? Liberally. God gives without thinking about it. God gives without calculating the cost. God gives like he doesn't have sense. God gives without thinking. He gives without rationale. He gives without reasoning. He gives without logic. He gives without calculation. He gives without budget. He gives without regard for savings. He just gives. He's kind to the unthankful and to the evil. That's my God. And I am his son. I'm his son. I give like him. If you don't know what you're doing, the message is pray to the Father. He loves to help. You will get his help and won't be condescended to when you ask for it. He won't be rubbish it in your face. Go and do seven days fast. Come back. Let me see whether you qualify to get a baby. Go and naked yourself and rub sand and put oil and chant Jesus seven times. I saw a young man on Facebook recently, someone I happened to know, my heart broke for him, who shared a message, a, a, a few screenshots of, of a meeting he went. He said he prayed for somebody, young man, 20s, early 20s. You know him. Said this, and he said that the Lord laid a lady on his heart and to pray for who had told me something. And he said, the Lord said, told him to tell her to take water, take water and then um, anoint the water, drink some of the water, pour it on your head and shout Jesus seven times. I shared it on Facebook. Young man from this city. Drink water, pour it on your head, shout it seven times. Prescription. For what God gives how? Freely. Assignment. For what God gives how? Freely. An offering to provoke. For what God gives how? Freely. Is it, is, is it in your Bible? Tippity. If anyone longs to be wise, ask God for wisdom and he will give it. He won't see your lack of wisdom as an opportunity to scold you over your failures. 
but he will overwhelm your failures with his generous grace. God, the word, the word haplotis in, in, in James 1.5 for liberally changes to haplos, which means to give without undue complications. Haplos in the Greek. When he gives freely, when he gives liberally, it changes. It, it means to give without undue complication. Come, sign here, sign here. Bring guarantor, put it here. Give us collateral, put it here. So pray for seven days, put it here. Give offering, no, don't put it on the altar. If you put it on the altar, it will not work for you. Put it in my hand. If you put it in my hand and you come late, it might not work for you. God gives without undue complications. Haplos. That's my God. You broke up with somebody. Hey, come here, bring back that phone I bought for you. You are a cow. You're a cow, you're an animal. Bring me back, bring me back the phone. It's me, you want to cheat. Oh, so you were giving her as, as an investment? Then she's better off without you. He's better off without you. Oh, I'm leaving the church. All the tithes I've been paying, all the offering. Come, calculate how much you have paid. Carry 20 chairs, carry keyboard, go, leave. We're better off without you. Her plus, he gives without undue complication. No signature, no guarantor. Bring your photocopy of ID card, three copies of your passport, bring your birth certificate, bring your SSC certificate, bring your blood group, what your genotype, bring your bank account. Give us a guarantor's bank account. Give us this seed. Oh, you sowed this seed it's because you didn't sow the other seed. Because you sowed that seed, you, you were late in redeeming your pledge. Then when you, you redeem your pledge, but you have not been coming early for workers' meeting. You have become for service, you have not been coming for workers' meeting. Okay, you've become for workers' meeting, but you've not been coming for prayer meeting. When the prayer, how? When the angel like brings your blessing, comes for rehearsal. You're not in rehearsal. How would the angel give you? He gives without undue complications. I am liberal in my giving because my father is liberal. I have no complications in my giving because my father has no complications in his giving. I am mirror my father's image in the earth. I mirror my father's nature in the earth. I give like him in the earth. I serve like him in the earth. I am a son of God. I give like him. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. And we'll continue this next week. But I'm sure you've caught this already. Now this is beyond praying. You, know. you pray. It's good to pray it in by the spirit. As you live here tonight, become a radical New Testament giver. Give without undue complications. Give without expecting anything in return. If this is your local church, make a mark in it by your giving. If this is your pastor, make a mark in his life by your giving. If this is the work that God has planted you to support, make a mark in it by your giving. Listen, love gives without expecting anything in return. Love gives and depletes. It moves you. You know that something left you. Because that's what it cost God. We are in his image. Because there's nothing that's outside the remit of giving. Cars, houses, what is it? 
Hey, when you come into contact with how much it cost God, and when you come into contact with the fact that Jesus was all that God had, no backup plan, no savings account, no stocks and bonds, no trust fund, there's nothing that's, that's too big to give. Nothing. Nothing. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening, and we hope it has been a blessing to you. For inquiries and further information, please send us an email to info at the or visit our social media platforms.